Hello, folks. It's John Otterstead, Bobby Darren, Scarlet Nation Podcast, Episode 20. Today, we're going to do one of our roundtable roundups. We're just going to go down, look at what the fans are talking about, look at what the Scarlet Nation moderators are talking about, and just chat it up. So, Bobby, glad to have you here. We've had a bevy of technical issues. I think we <laughs> would be the last two people anyone would want to hire to run their podcast. But after an hour of us two doofuses trying to figure things out, we're finally recording. I have so, my, I have my cone hat with the tinfoil on. So that's what's, I think that's what's working now. I know we've tried everything, new microphones, new services, a new computer for you. I got a direct connection to the internet. So let's hope this thing works. But anyway, uh, let's. I'm just scanning the round table on ScarletNation.com. That's our premium message board. And Sir Scarlet, one of our beloved users here, he mentioned Nick Soriano, wrestler for the Rutgers wrestling team. He is Nick Soriano is currently ranked number one at the 125 pound class by Win Magazine. I, you know, Nick Soriano is probably the biggest story for Rutgers wrestling this year. So for those who are not following Rutgers wrestling, you should be. But Bobby, give them a little overview of who he is. I transferred from Penn State, was a top wrestler in New Jersey, did not lose in high school, and just one of the most dominant wrestlers in the country. As a sophomore, he's expected to win or at least be in it for the national uh, title, and he was ranked behind uh, Nicholas Nicholas Tomasello of Ohio State, who – was it was not there when Ohio State uh, wrestled at Rutgers. Um, he supposedly had a wedding, so um, you know uh, they weren't they didn't get a chance to wrestle. So uh, he just lost to to a kid from Iowa, and uh, that bumped uh, Soriano up to the number one spot. So um, so uh, you know he, he's there. He's number one. Forgive me if I pronounced Tomaselli wrong. <laughs> it's been a long night with the difficulties. So um, uh, yeah, he's number one now. Yeah, it's an exciting time. And I live up here in Bergen County, not far from Bergen Catholic, where Nick Soriano went to school. Just down the road from me, there's a street with a street sign on it. It's named after him. It's Nick Soriano Court. A few beautiful homes on that street. I figure he lives there. He is a obviously a celebrated athlete from the town of Paramus. And uh, obviously, Rutgers fans are hoping for some big things from him. I guess the wrestling team... Would you say they've been a little disappointing this year or perhaps uh, doing well, but just having a lot of tough competition? Yeah, you know, they've been losing a lot of those swing matches that that are so important. Um, you know, they had a few real close ones against Nebraska, who was 18th uh, this uh, Sunday, actually. And it was those swing matches that decided it. If Rutgers could have taken one of them, um, they would have won. It came down, you know, to an overtime uh, takedown where they lost. And, and there's just so, so many of those matches where they're so close that, that they just can't get over that hump. It's one of those tough things where Rutgers in such a strong conference. I, as far as I know, and at least in the major sports, football and basketball, there's no conference that's as dominant in their respective sport, whether it's football or basketball, as the Big Ten is in, in wrestling. And just to get into the top 25 and stay there when all these teams are beating one another is is quite a challenge. And Rutgers has hung on throughout the season. And uh, I guess are they falling out of the top twenty-five right now? Or do you now they're at sixteen, they and um, I, I think the rankings come out this week, so um, they'll probably drop a couple spots for for that loss to Nebraska, but they'll still be in the top twenty. It's you know if you lose to a team like that that's still ranked, you're not going to fall 
as much. So um, I, I, I'm sorry, I had to correct myself. It was Nathan Tomasello? <laughs> I, I went with the Italian name instead. But um, I know Rutgers. Um, you know, probably still be right on the you know the the lower end of the of the top twenty. So um, they, there's just been some close matches this year that they weren't able to pull out. You saw it with Iowa. You saw it with Lock Haven, and you saw it with uh, Nebraska uh, this past weekend. And it's just those those one match here or there it goes the other way. Um, Scott Del Vecchio was upset. Uh, at Nebraska, and that really hurt. And you know, it, just those close matches, one goes another way, and it changes the whole outcome. And, and Rutgers has just been on the losing end in a few of those this year. Well, I love what Coach Goodale is doing at Rutgers, and I think perhaps the best thing I could tell you right now is that just as we, you and I, were going through our technical difficulties leading up to the recording of this podcast, I received a message from my friend Chris, whose son is a stud sixth grade wrestler. This kid is awesome. Anyway, he just sends me a random text. It says, John, do you have connections to get Mikey a black Rutgers singlet in an adult small size? And <laughs> I think in the history of running the site, I've never had anyone even inquire about Rutgers wrestling in that nature, whether it's a T-shirt, a singlet or anything. And not only did I get that tonight, but I got it from a kid, excuse me, from a guy whose son is going to be, I would say, a scholarship level wrestler down the road. And uh, so... Obviously, Coach Goodale is doing something well if a sixth grader from North Jersey is already <laughs> looking to uh, to wear the Rutgers colors. Yeah, and, you know, they're just uh, maybe one guy away from this year from winning those close matches. It, it, you know, the heavyweight's been been a weak point, and 197, Kevin Mulligan's been a, been a disappointment this year. And not having Anthony Ashnall also hurts because that's usually a guaranteed win every time out. But they're in the right direction. They have a lot of guys coming back. They have a lot of guys coming up. Um, so they're still trending in the right direction. I think next year is going to be a real big year, especially if they can get Ashnall back for that six year. Right. As what I read earlier today on the message board was that he was looking to get that six year. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, in wrestling, it's a lot easier to get than, than in football. Um, so as long as he is okay with it, um, he should be back, you know, then you have to consider, you know, from a personal level is the wear and tear of it. Uh, too much? Does he want to go and do other things, or does he want to come back and and have another year of wrestling? And and I think the latter might win out. Rutgers wrestling is pulling in some huge crowds. I, also, talking about text, I got a text from a gentleman the other day that I barely know, someone I know in town who's a substitute teacher at one of the schools. He sends me a text asking me if I can get him tickets to the Penn State wrestling match, which is apparently already sold out. If you told me five years ago that Rutgers would be selling out the rack for wrestling matches, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, you know, you have to go to the to the guy outside asking who needs tickets if you want to get one for that one. And, uh, you know, Scott Goodell has really brought the program a long way. Um, you know, he, he brought it from practically nothing, and, and now you're seeing sellouts on a regular basis. And and the people really get into these matches, and, and when the rack starts rocking like that, it, it's definitely one of the u- most unique venues in all of college wrestling. You're talking Big Ten and everywhere, so uh, it's really a special place for kids to go and perform. Now, Sir Scarlett, I, he was the gentleman who started the last thread. He started a lot of great ones this week, and one of the ones he started was just a little kudos to the 25 Rutgers football players who made the academic All-Big Ten team. And that's the kind of news you want to hear, given I guess Rutgers took a little bit of a dip, particularly in the APR during the uh, previous regime, and they're on the upward swing right now. But I was excited about it. Then I decided to look for some of the competitors Rutgers is going to be compared to, 
and they're still not quite where they need to be, at least under that metric. Um, to be in the academic all Big Ten, you have to have be in your second year in the program and have at least a 3.0 GPA, as far as I know. Rutgers at 25 players, 34 for the Buckeyes, 35 for Penn State, and 48, which is the most in the league for Michigan. So Rutgers has a little bit of work to do, but on an upward trajectory. And uh, you know, kudos to the guys who were working hard in the classroom this year. Yeah, and you know, I think that's a product of what Chris Ash is building. A lot of people will look and say, you know, they didn't win a few games that they might have could have won this year, and uh, you, you overlook the fact that he took over a program that was trending downward when it came to academics. I mean, everything that that Greg Schiano built up academically and uh, those APR rankings was just you know decimated by the old coach, and. Um, it it uh it's really you know building it back up so I, I think he deserves some credit for you know that performance in the classroom is is they're building back towards respectability a few years ago um if you remember they 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 could have been a potential bowl team at five and seven because of their APR ranking they never you know made the the five and seven but um they could have went that year had they had they won a, that final game but the you know because it would have been determined by the APR. If that would have happened this year, they wouldn't even have been in the conversation because the APR just, you know, it it just spiraled downward. Right. Whether you're a fan of Chris Ash or not, I think one thing we can all agree is that not only is the team trending upward academically, but just the perception of the team in terms of their attitude, their work ethic, just doing the right thing on the field and off the field, that has totally gone on an improvement run since Kyle Flood left. I think at that time, and even into Ash's first year, Ash was still dealing with the stink of that last regime. If you talk to somebody on the street, the first thing they'd mention is how Rutgers had you know, sullied their name over the past couple of years. But Ash is doing the right thing. The players are doing the right thing. Looks like they're working hard. You know, We're following those Twitter streams right now, and we're following what little news we get from the players themselves and their, their parents and their friends who report back to us. And I don't know, sounds pretty good. Yeah. uh, And, you know, it's a rebuilding process in every phase. And that is one of them. And and you can see what Chris Ash meant when he said it's going to take time to rebuild this program because he walked into, you know, a, a pretty bad situation all around on the field, in the classroom. So, um, you know, it's baby steps. Yeah. I, you know, when he first came in, there were people who thought that perhaps Rutgers could pull off a bowl game the first year. I totally didn't agree. Mm-hmm. I don't think people understood what a bad situation was left. Even if there was some talent on the team, they'd been mismanaged. There's been a lot of things taking their eye off the ball, so to speak. And then you have the past couple of years, the changes and all the coordinators. That team in his first year wasn't ready to win. Last year, you know, I thought they should have won a game or two that they didn't, but still not ready. What about looking forward to this year? Now, this isn't going to be our, our big time to talk about previews for next year, but do you think next year could be a step forward? Yeah, and, and it's a rebuilding process, and, and it's, like I said, small baby steps, and you'll see some of that next year as well. The schedule also lightens up, so um, it's going to work out more favorably. I mean, it, it was just a nightmare uh, last year, and, and even the year before. Um, it was just a real tough road to hoe for, for Rutgers, and I think you're going to see that progress. Like I said, uh, everything's trending upward, but you know it's not leaps and bounds. It's, it's just baby steps, and I think you'll start to see that continue into next season. The big news of the past 
couple of weeks has been talk of the new offensive coordinator. Rutgers now is going to welcome McNulty back, who had, uh, I guess you'd say, a successful run, uh, especially by Rutgers standards, uh, from 2004 to 2008 on staff, 2007-2008 as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, he's been well-traveled, has coached in Michigan, Connecticut, Jacksonville Jaguars, Cowboys, Rutgers, Arizona Cardinals, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tennessee Titans, Los Angeles Chargers, and now back to Rutgers again. Uh, Bobby, what do you think about this choice? I think it's a good hire. You know, he went for someone who has had success in the past, especially at Rutgers. And then you have a guy that's been around the NFL and, and coached it at the highest level. So um, coming back, I, I think it's it's a very good hire. And there's some continuity there because, you know, this guy wants to be here. He wants some stability. He said that moving around so much, he felt like he should open up a moving company, you know, going from city to city as an assistant coach in the NFL. And, you know, he's really welcoming the the uh, leadership role and, and the responsibilities. It, it's just upgraded so much from just being a position coach in the NFL. So um, I think they found someone who's not only been successful, but someone who wants to be here for the long haul. And, you know, that, that can only work out to their favor because talking to so many players, they just continually come back to the fact that, Every year was tough because they had to learn a new system, uh, execute that system, and get comfortable with that system before that system changed in, in the offseason. And then this process just started all over again. So I think it's a big win for Rutgers. I mean, if you look at some of the names that were on those uh, candidate lists and some of the people who interviewed, you know, John McNulty has a, a really nice resume and he's proven he's a smart football guy. And I think it's it's a really good choice. I think one of the best things that it taps into is that good feeling, the good sentiments that surround that time period of Rutgers football. For anyone who's followed over the past 15 years or so, and even beyond, when you look at his stretch on being on staff from 2004 to 2008, that was the time period. That was the time period where if you were a fan, you were getting over that long suffering, just begging, dying for a bowl. You get to the first bowl. You have the big season in 2006. The offense comes alive in the subsequent years a bit, and he was there for that. So when I think of John McNulty, I think of some great moments in not only in Rutgers history, but in my own personal history. And if he can help bring that back, then Coach Ash is going to be doing some great things in the coming years. Yeah, and, and that's all you can ask for. Now, this time around, he's not going to have Ray Rice in the backfield. He's not going to have Kenny Britt and Tyquan Underwood and, and Mike Teal. So, uh, and that offensive line was very good back then, too. So it's going to be a little more challenging. But, you know, that that um, team was not built instantaneously. It was over the years, you know, cultivated and grown, recruited. So uh, I think they're looking to do the same thing. I don't think they're going to come in and expect him to have that year where he has a 2,000-yard rusher or 3,000-yard passer and 2,000-yard receivers all in 2018. But it's building toward that season. And I think, like I said, come back to the common theme of baby steps. And, and um, I, I think, you know, it should be a good outcome for Rutgers. They should finally have some offense that, that's really worth watching. Steve Politi wrote an article for NJ.com a week or two ago, and I know the fans jumped on him on our main Rutgers football board. But I have to say, I didn't really disagree with much of it. The general idea that he had was, it's great that Rutgers is bringing back a gentleman who was successful in the past. But when all is said and done, 
this program is going to live and die by how well Chris Ash recruits. And when you look at that team this year, like I couldn't, as much as I wanted to blame Jerry Kill this year and Merringer last year or blame the quarterbacks, there was a lot of blame to go around because I don't think this team is built to win, or at least it wasn't built the past couple of years, particularly at some key positions such as quarterback, wide receiver. And yeah, you can coach your way out of that, but you have to recruit your way out of that more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, he was left with a very bare cupboard. I mean, that you know, when Flood was here, it was just some of the kids would commit and we'd kind of scratch our head and say, who, why? And it was, you know, it, it became evident in, in how many guys left and how many guys didn't contribute. There were some in there that, that worked out, but, you know, it, it was really a poor performance from a recruiting standpoint. And and he really didn't leave Chris Ash a lot to work with. So again, he's starting from the ground up and in the big 10, you just can't have good players at each position. You have to have good depth at each each position because injuries are inevitable. Uh, When a guy goes down, you have to have someone, you know, somewhat capable stepping in there, just not somebody who's going to go out there and and cost your entire offense or defensive unit. So, um, you know, it takes time to build depth. You can only recruit so many players in so many years. And, um, you know, he's steadily building toward that, toward that goal. All right. Sometimes when we'd hear reports back from practices or scrimmages, you'd hear how a young player was doing well and fans would get super excited. And I'd always want to pump the brakes and I'd hesitate to do it sometimes, but you know what? Someone has to play. You need a two deep. You need someone to start. And, you know, sometimes the fact that a young guy is playing says less about that guy being ready to play and more about how poor the depth is overall, particularly among the upperclassmen. And hopefully with each class, Rutgers is putting together a couple solid classes in a row. Those days of someone coming in and playing right away who's not ready to play right away. And then the fans, in turn, being disappointed with them. Hopefully those days are going to be over. Yeah, you know, I've watched a lot of scrimmages covering Rutgers over the years. And some guys who would be standouts weren't really standouts. I'm not going to name them, you know, individually. But there were some guys who, you know, had some great scrimmages, but they just weren't great players. So um, sometimes you can get overly excited about a performance like that. But um, like I said, it's all a process. Yep. Well, uh, let's take a little move on. Bobby, you had posted an update on Ryan Anderson's road to the NFL. Can you comment a little bit about you know, who he is and what he meant to the team this year and where you see him going in the future? Yeah, you know, Ryan Anderson came to Rutgers as one of the grad transfers this year and wound up being the first ever all-first-team Big Ten selection for Rutgers uh, with an average of 44.4 yards per punt this year. Um, and that's considering that they asked him to pooch a lot of punts. He had 20 that were, you know, he put 20 punts inside the 20 yard line. So, um, you know, his overall average was hurt a little bit by that, but still finished 12th in the nation. And, um, you know, is training out in Arizona now, uh, with, the you know, at a, at a facility and working out with the former NFL punter named Rich Camarillo. And, um, you know, it, for me, it's kind of a new experience because I've done a lot of draft stuff and going through it with guys, but I've never actually followed a, a specialist through the draft. So it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I was asking him certain things, what to expect, and they have a couple specialist combines out in um, Arizona in February that he's going to participate in. He said that there's a great deal of stock put into those Um 
And he'll really know a lot more when he starts, you know, talking to more teams after that and after the Rutgers Pro Day and maybe some individual workouts. But, you know, there's not a lot of punters that are drafted. There was none drafted in 2017. Three were drafted in 2016, one in 2015, and one in 2014. Now, some have a lot more have signed, you know, free agent deals, but. Um, I think a lot of it is just getting in with the right program. But he also told me something interesting is that, you know, his stock is a little higher because he's a left-footed punter. And, you know, apparently the ball comes off a little differently when you kick it off the left foot, something Bill Belichick has has um, really preached and harped on f- uh, for a number of years. So I think that works to his advantage, too. And if he has a good performance at those specialist uh, combines, you know, you could, I could definitely see him landing with the team. And, and um, like I said, this is kind of my first foray, you know, following the, the specialists through the draft. So uh, I, I think he has a very good chance of, of winding up, uh, you know, on an NFL team. But there's not a lot of openings for punters each year. So I think a lot of it might have to do with getting with the with the right team and finding the right fit and, and finding a spot where there's not a guy who's a 10-year vet who's going to be there regardless. When you take a look at the departed Rutgers players in this 2018, uh, guys who are graduating in 2018 here, who are three players who you think could catch on? You know, I I think first one comes to mind, obviously, is Kamoko Toure. And I think the biggest thing for him is going to be the NFL Combine and not the interviews, not the performance, but the medical sessions. And at the Combine, people don't realize how much of a medical evaluation it is. Um, Guys spend a couple days just going to the hospitals that are, you know, within that that, – small uh, part of Indianapolis there. I mean, one of the reasons they have it there is because of the accessibility of so many hospitals in the immediate area. And guys just go there and get um, requests from different teams to have foot x-rays, back x-rays, whatever. Um, And they're going to look at his shoulders and and whatever that shows, I think it's really going to tell whether he could be, you know, an upper tier draft pick or a guy who might have to go free agent. So I think all of his future lies in the medicals, but uh, if everything's clear, I think a lot of teams are going to be intrigued with him. And then obviously you have to look at Gus Edwards who had a heck of a year. Um, You know, he's one of those guys that looks like he's a a late round possibility priority free agent. Um, but he's going to get a shot somewhere. Uh, it, again, like I mentioned with Ryan Anderson, it's it's a matter of fitting in somewhere, finding the right spot. So, um, you know, I think those two guys are one to watch for. Dorian Miller is, is another one. Uh, Sebastian Joseph kind of in the same boat. Guys that will probably be free agent signees. And uh, it's just a matter of getting in with the right team and, and finding a spot because sometimes in camp guys get hurt. You have a good camp. Maybe you outplay a veteran a little bit. And there's a little luck when you're in that kind of, you know, seventh round free agent, no man's land kind of kind of zone. Uh, you need a little luck. You need to be in the right spot. You need to play well and have somebody else maybe not in front of you. So um, I, I think it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting uh, off, not off season, but through the spring and into the summer for, for quite a few of those guys. We're going to come up with a new little uh, award right now. It's the Bobby Darren all interview team. I'm just going to ask for one or two guys. Cause I know I didn't prepare you for this question. <laughs> yeah, I just thought of it as you were talking there. Off this year's team or? or Yeah, yeah, this year's team. When you look at the guys who are leaving, Mm -hmm. I want you to pick one guy who you're going to miss the most. Perhaps someone who gave great interviews, uh, someone who you always could rely on for a good quote. And then on the team right now, Mm -hmm. who do you think gives a great interview? I know you always talk about, uh, what's his name, Pete Tverdov. 
giving you some great quotes, even <laughs> something you you couldn't use because you knew Shiano would get mad. Uh-huh. So uh, this year, who's the man? Um, you know, I always got along with Dorian Miller really well, and, and he was always a guy who would who would talk to you no matter what. Um, you know, a win, loss, whatever, really, you know, a great character kid. I always enjoy talking to Ryan Anderson this year, too. Um, so I'll miss those two guys. On this year's team, um, hmm, interesting. I, I, I Off the top of my head, I'm uh, I'm kind of stumped. Let me see. I'm going through each position. You know, Tariq Cole's one that always speaks his mind. So uh, he, he's definitely a fun one to talk to. And, um, you know, but there's a lot of guys like that as well, you know, that, that, uh, I like Saquon Hampton a lot ever since he was in uh, in um, high school. I always thought he was a very good player, and we, we always had a good uh, relationship. So, um, you know, there's quite a few, but um, I, I might have to go through the uh, go through the roster and come up with a with a all team for you with, with a little more time to do some homework. I still have my my foil hat on as as we speak, so <laughs> maybe that's an interview of all time. You could go back right now, <laughs> all your years at Scarlet Nation. Who would you go back and relive an interview with? Uh, you know, oh, relive. I don't know because some of the guys that, that I enjoy talking to, that I still you know communicate with. They, you know, it's like Scott Valone, Eric Legrand, Deron Harmon were three guys that I always enjoyed talking to. But I mean, there's a bunch, you know. Um, so uh, you know. I, I, one thing I can say about interviewing these guys is they were all pretty good character kids. You really didn't have to worry about a problem or an attitude like that. So Greg Shiano did a very good job of coaching them to to speak well, uh, you know, speak with the media and, 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 you know, handle themselves. And even after losses, I always admired the fact that he kept the locker room open because he said part of growing up and becoming a young man is dealing with you know, setbacks and losses. So I always admired that, you know, some coaches will close the, the locker room, but Chiano was very emphatic about that, that he never did it. So it really let us, you know, get to know some players through good and bad. With Dorian Miller, I thought we got the added benefit, the two for one special. His dad was on the Scarlet Nation premium message board. He'd chime in every so often with a little bit of insight. It's always nice to have a parent on the board, although sometimes it provides you know some stress for us because parents don't always like to have the fans talking about their children but Mr. Miller has always been great to us and a great addition to the message board yeah and a great guy too and and it's no surprise that you see uh, Dorian uh, grow into the man he's become because you know his father's an outstanding individual as well are there any more Millers in the family uh, well, Devin is it. Um, Marshall having a very good redshirt year. Um, the coaches are really positive about uh, what he's doing and, and his trajectory. And um, I think he has a bright future out there. But no younger guys in high school. No, right now. that's the last of the Miller. <laughs> the last of the Millers. Yes. All right. Well, Bobby, we're going to get going right now. And uh, we next time we, we know we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting, but let's table that one to next week. And uh, to everyone out there, If you are not on the scarletnation.com message board, get on it. There's so much talk. It's the off-season right now, so if you go to our main football football board, you'll see all types of conversation from football to weather to politics. Uh, We're talking about everything because everyone's still on the board and basketball's in high gear right now. And, of course, on the roundtable, our premium message board, it's Rutgers football, Rutgers basketball, wrestling, whatever else. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And on behalf of Bobby and myself, we're looking forward to seeing you there.